Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 to 6. Judging others. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And pay no um, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all at the same time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not get, give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Thank you very much to the Von Trapp Robertson family. They did proud this morning. It's lovely. Uh, we're going to look at that um, passage from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. A few weeks ago, I, I got a bee in my bonnet. Don't you love the English language? We, we don't wear bonnets anymore, but we do get bees in them. Um, and uh, it was to do with what's being called the cancel culture. Anyway, this bee flew around my bonnet, inside my bonnet for, for a few hours, and then out, out of my mouth came a sermon. So I'm going to share it with you today. Um, can we see first slide? Let me see what that is. That's it. And then the second one. <clears throat> this is part of a letter. It was written by a number of celebrities, including J.K. Rowling and um, Salman Rushdie. <clears throat> it was all to do with um, J.K. Rowling being uh, kind of cancelled and uh, written out of the script of, um, of um, people's uh, affections. And uh, this is part of the letter. It was printed in Harper magazine. Censoriousness is also spreading more widely in our culture and intolerance of opposing views, a vogue for public shaming and ostracism, and the tendency to dissolve complex policy issues in a blinding moral certainty. It is now all too common to hear calls for swift and severe retribution in response to perceived transgressions of speech and thought. Now, in, um, in what's often called the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, um, the Lord Jesus Christ is setting out the manifesto for his kingdom. And he's behaving a little bit like a, a new Moses. Um, he's gathered 12 disciples around him. Uh, as Moses gathered the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, like Moses, he's gone up on a mountain, and uh, like Moses, he's handing down the, um, the law of, of his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And in a sense, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is uh, Moses fulfilled. It's the, the law of God brought to a beautiful and glorious completion. Now, one of the key features of this sermon is... Um, that is in the Lord Jesus Christ is his hatred for hypocrisy. Let's look at slide three. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Uh, Jesus says, who, who pray 
on street corners so that they will be seen and applauded. No, no, pray in secret so that the conversation is just between you and God alone. And then the glory will be God's and not yours. Don't be like the hypocrites who parade their generos generosity in public so that people will admire and applaud them for their giving. Um, give secretly so that only you and God know about that transaction, about that gift, and the glory will not be yours, it will be his. And then, so he's, he's, Jesus is declaring war on hypocrisy in this sermon. And, and that brings me uh, to what, I'm, what is being called today the cancel culture. Because there is this new, um, there's this new secular religion in town and it's very legalistic as you will have gathered from that opening quote from Harper magazine and um, really new religions very much like the old religions um, if you transgress their laws it will not go well with you we know where we we know where you live we will find you and you will suffer I don't care if you're JK Rowling I don't care if you're well loved I don't care if you're very rich or have an immense contribution to the literary enjoyment of a multitude of children. I don't care. You've broken the laws of the woke kingdom. And you must be put to social media death. You will not speak in our university campus. You've been cancelled. You will not be welcomed. You are a non-person. You'll be sent to the philosophical gulag to serve 20 years of isolation in the wilderness. And all because J.K. Rowling said some pretty common sense things about uh, gender. But she transgressed the laws of the new religion. And I'd like to suggest to you this morning that a lot of this that's going on in the so-called cancel culture movement is just pure hypocrisy. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus takes his wisdom hammer um, to another set of behaviours that are vomited up in the cause of hypocrisy. And sadly, this uh, hypocritical behaviour is often found in Christian churches, in Christian people, and in this preacher. If you look at slide four, hypocrites have double standards. That's the next slide, I think. Hypocrites have double standards. You hypocrite, um, take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. There's a famous um, moment during my time at the Chariton Grammar School in Oldham. Um, the headmaster was called Dickie Britton. He was a, a man short of stature and sported a moustache. I remember him clearly. And he drove a rather nice Armstrong Sidley Sapphire. There's a picture of an Armstrong Sidley Sapphire there. It was a magnificent uh, machine. It was a luxury motor. And one morning, as, as uh, Mr. Britton, or Dickie as we knew him, arrived at school on the Broadway in Chatterton, he spotted a pupil, a student, crossing the road carelessly. And he was incensed by this carelessness. So he threw open 
the door of his Armstrong Sibley Sapphire, which was probably ripped off by a passing car because the headmaster had been rather careless. He was getting out to judge a pupil for being careless. And the judge was caught up in carelessness himself and judgment was very swift. He was judged with the judgment with which he was judging the pupil. I've got to say that laughter filled the school and I joined in. But judging others, um, it's very easy, it's very common, it's very normal to our human nature. Uh, but in order to um, function properly, a judge uh, must be qualified. You have to know and understand the law. You have to be, he has to be impartial in the way he applies the law in any given instance. It would be rightly appalling if the judge was passing sentence and evaluating evidence uh, while at the same time being taking a large sum of money from one of the parties in the court case. The yeah, judge has to be qualified. judge has to be a man or woman of personal integrity. She can't be passing sentence really on another human being if she's committing the very same crime in, on which she is sitting in judgment. So the, the judge has to be wise enough also to be fair. He has to listen to all the evidence at his disposal and then make judgments uh, based on all the facts, not on guesswork, not on um, distortions, and certainly not on personal bias. Uh, it's, it's so easy to set yourself up, though, as a judge of other people's behavior. You can become judge and jury when it comes to the behavior of a fellow human being. You think you know their motives. You think you know enough facts to make a judgment, to pass sentence. You take it that your opinion is not contaminated by bias or lies or fake news. And you have to make judgments based on what you've been told by someone who heard it from a second cousin and they heard something and it tickles your fancy and you leap to judgment. And before you know where you are, you've passed on a juicy tidbit of information that evaluates somebody else's personality. You've passed it on, you've written a, a Facebook post, you've, you've sent a tweet. And in doing so, you've effectively become judge and jury. And the overall impact so often is to humiliate somebody else, to damn them, to undermine their reputation, uh, to condemn them, and to crush a human being with words and criticisms. And the whole thing is exacerbated by the modern use of moral labels. You've got so many of these labels, racist, homophobic, transphobic, bully, abuser, male, stale, pale. And if you get one of those labels attached to you, uh, from then the verdict really the verdict's in uh, you're condemned by a label the trouble with all this my friends is there's very little if any humility in it the judge doesn't think he or she is right for judgment himself you think you're qualified to pass judgment on another human being you can't imagine you're, that you yourself are worthy of the same judgment that you've passed on somebody else 
And if we were aware of that, we'd obviously be a little bit more careful and maybe a bit more humble. But this is the mark of hypocrisy. It's somebody who has double standards. The hypocrites have double standards. You have double standards. The standard you apply to the person you're cancelling or damning isn't a standard that condemns you at the same time, you think. You measure another person by standards you judge right and then you communicate that measurement in a tweet or a letter or a bit of gossip. And all the time, the only true judge, the living God, the Holy Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is waiting to judge you by that same measurement that you've meted out to someone else. I'm often discouraged by the way some of my Christian brothers and sisters speak about the President of the United States of America. They speak as if they know him. I know you've got to pass judgments on his policies, things he does. But I hear so much of people instinctively knee-jerk reaction, passing judgment on his, his personhood. It reminds me sometimes of a pack of howling wolves slavering, hunting down their prey only to discover too late that they've fallen into a pit that's in which are buried sharp knives that put them to death. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Hypocrites have double standards and so often we don't see that. Secondly, this is second, uh, the um, slide five. Secondly, verses three to five hypocrites have defective sight. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly enough to remove the speck in your brother's eye. This, um, this picture of, uh, of Jodie Comer uh, is a, a, pr a pretty one. She's a, obviously a very lovely actress. But she got into trouble a few weeks ago, but at the same time as I had my bee in my bonnet, uh, she, she got into trouble. And uh, this is what I read. Comer is canceled because corners of her fan base believe she cannot be a good person and date a Republican. Personal politics aside, the logic here is that because he is a Republican, and here are the labels, he must be racist, sexist, and a homophobe, despite the fact we know nothing about the man or where he comes from, and that it's none of our business anyway. To date someone with these views, coma is assumed to have them herself. It refers to an incident in which the actress was spotted in some obscure um, internet photo with a young man who turned out to have voted Republican in the American elections and obviously voted for Donald Trump. And uh, it was immediate, there, there was knee-jerk uh, splinter spotting of the grossest kind 
and uh, this is uh, Jody. Uh, he was given three labels. Uh, he was labeled as um, as sexist, homophobe, and racist. Well, they set about lambasting someone who, who to me, this Jodie Comer seems a very pleasant scouse lass, um, and they lambasted her for associating with a man who, who might have voted for Donald Trump. Um, well, people who spotted the speck, see, people who spotted the speck in this actress's eye felt morally justified to sit on their judgment throne and hand down a verdict of guilty as charged. Many of them actually fail to recognize that their judgmental behavior, their judgmental behavior constituted a massive log in their own eye. It seems that uh, hypocrisy has defective sight. I think the Lord Jesus is suggesting that when it comes to a judgmental spirit, we tend to be able to see clearly the sins and motives of other people but sometimes blind to the pride and selfishness and self-centeredness of our own hearts. The opening word of verse 5 is actually quite startling in the Greek. It's, it just explodes from the text. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. It's like an arrow from a crossbow. We all, we've all... We've all got to make judgments about people in everyday life, haven't we? We have to try to assess whether you can trust Joe Bloggs with uh, confidence or whether Mrs. Watsit uh, is, is uh, reliable enough to look after your children for an hour or two after school. You've got to make that kind of judgment. When you're voting on whether someone's suitable to be an elder, you've got to assess their character to some degree. Whether you're voting for the next prime minister, you've got to make a judgment about their person, personality and their gifts. We all make judgments about other people, and we have to, but do we do that from a position of humility? Have you, by the Holy Spirit, identified your own sins? Not the outward behaviours that we can so readily own up to, like an intemperate, an impatient word of anger, an outburst of, um, of um, dissatisfaction with somebody else. No, I'm talking about those deep underlying attitudes of your heart where idolatry lives, where you instinctively trust in money or, or power or personal approval to make life work for you. Have you seen, have you really seen by the power of the Holy Spirit, a massive idolatrous log in your own eye? Have you seen Personally, have you seen that it was your sin that made it necessary for the Lord Jesus Christ to die like a dog outside a city wall? Have you seen that about yourself? Listen to one of the great church fathers, John Chrysostom. There's the, the quotation. It's, uh, Even while one is putting on a mask of love, towards others. One is actually performing a deed of consummate evil by inflicting numerous criticisms and accusations on close companions, thereby usurping the rank of teacher when one is not even worthy to be a disciple. For this reason, he called this one hypocrite. 
You know, friends, over the years, I've, um, I've say, heard many a sentence and seen many a letter written by church members that begins by expressing love and ends by taking out a big knife of criticism that wounds somebody to the very core of their being. Often it's been a church leader. Take, for instance, the people in the church in Corinth. The people, some of the many of the people in the church there were saying about the Apostle Paul that his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. In other words, his ministry is not much value. What greater sin could there be than to rubbish an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ who was personally appointed on the Damascus Road by the Son of God, the Lord of glory? They, he personally appointed the apostle Paul to be the, the one who would deliver the gospel to the Gentiles. The apostle Paul who has been used throughout history through his writings to bring a multitude that no one can count into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. People at Corinth, many of them were writing him off as of no value. He's not much to look at and he's certainly not much to listen to when he's preaching. There aren't many bigger logs in your eye, in anybody's eye than that. Yet these people couldn't see that in themselves. And they went on trying to destroy the ministry of a man who'd been personally appointed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See that hypocrisy so often has defective sight. It's one of the traits of hypocrisy. We can see clearly the, the sins, the lesser sins in other people. And often we're not identifying a massive sin of selfishness and pride and idolatry in our own hearts. Hypocrisy has defective sight, especially in a cancel culture like ours. And then thirdly, slide six, hypocrites have dreadful scruples. I was trying to go for alliteration here, but please forgive me for this terrible heading. Verse six, and do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It's a great pig, isn't it? It's not easy, I don't think, to work out the connection between verse 6 and the five verses that have gone before hypocrisy. But I think what it's saying is that hypocrisy is a horrible thing in the eyes of the Lord Jesus. There's no room in his kingdom. There is no room in his kingdom for people who pretend to be his followers, but at heart level are not. I think that's what this verse is insinuating. There are people who have the gospel given to them, but who effectively treat it contemptuously. You put a tin of the best and most expensive caviar near a beagle, and he will down it as if it were no more value than a tin of pedigree chum. We owned a beagle. He was our favourite dog. He was our only dog. He once got out of the house at my mother-in-law's house and he found his way to the Chinese takeaway shop and he found bucket loads of food that they'd thrown out. <laughs> when he came back, it was like a small barrel. He just devoured everything. He was such a greedy little dog. He was great, but he was... 
he'd eat and he'd wolf down caviar and not give it a second thought. He put it in front of him. I mustn't mourn about our dog. But you, you see, you, you pop a, a, a necklace of priceless pearls that you bought in Tenerife in the pigsty, and it'd be trampled, stamped into the mud and the poo as the pigs search for something from the trough that will fill their belly. What, what are pills worth when you've got a hungry stomach, an empty stomach? Well, there, there are people in our churches who've been given the most precious thing in all of God's universe. They've been given the gospel of his son. The message that teaches that Jesus loves me and died for my sins and took away my sins but from before the face of God and made me a reconciled and adopted child of a heavenly father, gave me the Holy Spirit to dwell in my heart and a message that holds before me the hope of eternal glory. There's a string of pearls there that's like no other. But so often the behavior of Christians, especially in our damning and hurting other Christians, shows that we've effectively trampled that gospel into the mud of our pigsty. We've not identified its beauty. We've not appreciated its value. We've been so eager to get to the trough of personal vindication or, or personal approval from other people. Well, to satisfy our ambitions that we've effectively treated God's best as something worthless. These hypocrites, these culture-canceling hypocrites who will turn and attack the very people who are giving them these pearls, I've known so many terrible instances over the years of gospel ministers being attacked and devoured and wounded and crushed by the very people to whom they were giving the pearls of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They turned and attacked him. They did it to the Lord Jesus. They turned and attacked him. Did they not? The hypocrites set out to trample under their feet the one who created the universe. One who entered the world on a mission of redemptive love, they turned to attack him, trample upon him, to devour him. They cried out, crucify him, we have no king but Caesar. Now the cancel culture is seeking to enter our churches through our words and attitudes. And we must take very great care that it doesn't begin to contaminate our hearts. A minister called me recently <clears throat> from the Midlands. He's been running a, a WhatsApp group in his church for the men. And he was seriously considering having to close it down because some of the men were right-wing in their politics, some were left-wing in their politics, and they were saying such unkind things to and about each other that he was really seriously considering shutting down the WhatsApp group. Um, one of my friends in another church has had to um, disable the facility on YouTube for people to enter comments. It's become a bit of a pigsty. I had to disable it. 
I hope they're not Christians who are making such hurtful responses and so on. But our culture, <clears throat> our culture is enthroning name-calling. It's encouraging the labeling of others. It's encouraging the wolf-pack-like behavior in social media. And it ought not to be part of a Christian mindset. Especially people like us who have been persuaded by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the ministry of the gospel that we are great sinners. That there'd be no hope for us were it not for a lovely saviour, the pearl of greatest price, who gave himself to the cross. For us, does our behaviour, do our words, does the way we speak about other people, is the way we avoid making judgments about other people, is it reflective of the fact that we have loved and embraced and, and enjoyed the pearl of greatest price? We're better than that, friends. We're better than that. We have a better gospel. We have a better saviour. And the Lord we serve, the Lord we serve is at war with hypocrisy. With double standards, with defective sight, and with dreadful scruples. Let's prize the gospel above all things, and the saviour of the gospel, and let it show in the way we relate to other people in a loving and caring way.